Well, we are uh, in the middle of a very uh, helpful, we hope, and practical teaching series about how it is that we grow up. How do we have a lifelong, life-giving, life-transforming relationship with God? What does it really look like? And uh, if you've been around Soul City for a while now, maybe you've heard us say this. If, if you're new, I want to welcome you again and encourage you. We have a little card in your seat back. You can grab and fill out because we'd love to help you with what we're going to be talking about today. We'd love to help you take next steps in this simple reality. This is what it all boils down to for us at Soul City Church. We want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. We want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be teaching about is further kind of how does that work itself out in our lives. Uh, that's what we're in the middle of this growing up series to talk about. And that's why we ask every week, like if you're new around here to fill out that card, because it helps us help you really live out a transforming relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to get into that this week. But before I get into the, the notes and where God's taken us this morning, I want to let you know about something coming up next week, which I'm very, very excited about. Next week, Soul City Church turns three years old, which is worth celebrating. It's only three years old. We are officially a toddler church. We are potty trained, and we, I, I was told not to tell that joke this service. I apologize, but I had to do it anyway. We are a three-year-old church, and we're, we're growing up even as a church. And next weekend is our anniversary weekend, and it's a, a weekend full of celebration. We are going to mark sort of the only God moments in the last year of the life of this church. And here's what's really fun, where you get to be a part of this. Uh, the whole experience is not just about celebrating this church. It's about celebrating God and specifically what he's done in your life as well over this last year. So we're going to have a really cool, really creative time of reflection and response to some only God moments where you look back at, over the last year and go, but you know what? Only God could have done this or only God could have led me to this this last year of my life. We're going to respond together as a church. You know, what's really fun is we've actually written a brand new original worship song based on that idea. It's like Soul City Church's first worship song, which uh, we're excited to debut next week. So if you like singing songs, we've got one for you next week. And we're going to sing that together and a huge party after the service. So here's what I want to say to you. Uh, you're not going to want to miss a minute of it. So next week, will you make sure, like this week we gave you an hour, like heads up, we're not going to be able to give that to you next week. And so we don't want you to miss uh, any of it. So make sure that you're on time because our opening sort of reflection and call to worship uh, is really, really, really cool to see just a glimpse of what God's done over the last couple years of this church. So make sure you're on time. Make sure that you're with people you love and care about uh, next weekend. We don't want you to miss a moment uh, as we celebrate only God and what he has done. This week we're going to be uh, diving into something that I think every one of us at some level has faced or is currently facing or will face at some point in your spiritual life, in your spiritual journey. We're talking about something that um, I think is very, very, very important for a church to talk about. And yet, oddly, uh, as much as all of us face what we're going to talk about, the church very rarely talks about this very real side of the spiritual life and spiritual growth. What we're talking about this morning is the fork in the road, many times for many people, of their spiritual growth. And it's called the wall. It's the wall. It's what happens when life and faith gets hard. And what only we can do in those moments and what only God can do 
in those moments. We're going to talk about the wall and how it pertains to your spiritual life and your spiritual relationship with God. Now, the wall is something, I think, outside of even just spiritual language, most of us kind of understand that idea, that, that moment or that season of really hard resistance. Uh, anyone in here ever run a race or, or a marathon? You ever, raise your hand if you ever run the marathon or a significant. Some of you ran in a 5K this morning, ran right here to church, didn't even shower. Thanks. Um, <laughs> If you ever run, like specifically in the marathon, marathoners talk all the time about the wall. The wall is real. It's not a concept. It's real. I can take you to the wall that I hit when I ran the marathon a couple years ago. I know the corner in Pilsen where I hit the wall. I drive by there and I shudder. I drive slowly. I look, it's, it is a very real thing. If you've ever done something that hard physically or trained for something really hard physically, you know about the wall. You know it all too well. Those of you who are entrepreneurs, you've started maybe your own business, or you run your own business, you've started your own nonprofit, you know about the wall. It's that moment when capital kind of runs thin and vision is running dry and you have to make a decision. Am I going to continue to go all in for this thing or do I need to count my losses and get out? The wall is very real. Those of us who are parents, we know about the wall. We hit the wall every day at around 7.30 a.m. <laughs> we start our day at the wall and then we just sort of work our way out from there. Right? You know about the wall. Well, as, all, as much as all of us kind of know about it in those aspects and areas of life, no one tends to talk about the wall that we hit in our spiritual growth, the many walls that we hit in our spiritual growth. And so I'm going to ask you to grab a pen and maybe something to write on or jot this down because I think this is incredibly important stuff that I wish someone would have told me earlier in my faith journey to help me have a context for this life with God, this transforming life with God. So spiritually speaking, when it comes to our spiritual growth, the wall is simply when life gets real and faith gets tested and growth is slow and God is hard to find. Anyone here ever hit the wall before in their spiritual growth? It's where life gets real. Faith is really tested. Growth comes slowly, if even at all. And God, seemingly when you need him most, it seems like he's the furthest away. The wall comes to every single person who's serious about having a lifelong, life-giving, life-transforming relationship with Jesus, and maybe you know it all too well. A wall can come, this kind of wall in our spiritual growth can come sometimes from just a change of circumstances. Maybe you moved to a new city, maybe you've moved to this city, and I have a friend right now who just moved away about three months ago, and he is in it. It's just it's just a hard season. It's a new place where he doesn't know any people. All the familiar things are gone. Sometimes a change in circumstance or something like that, change of life, can bring the wall. Sometimes it's loss that brings the wall. Maybe it's facing the impending loss of someone that you love. Maybe it's the end of a relationship, the death of someone that you love, the death of a dream. Now all of a sudden things get real. Life gets real. Faith is tested. Growth is slow. God is hard to find. Sometimes it just comes because it comes. And you've been following God for five or ten years, maybe you've been kind of slugging away at this thing, and for some reason, the things that got you here can't seem to get you there. Every one of us, if we're serious about having a lifelong relationship with God, hits the wall. And for some folks, it'll last for a, a season. For some, it'll last a year. For some, it'll last a couple years. But for anyone who's serious about going to life, you know, long relationship, you're going to have not only one, but two, maybe three or four significant spiritual walls in your growth. 
You glad you came to church this morning? We're talking about some fun stuff. But I think it's important stuff for us to understand because I think the wall for many of us is the moment that real transformation begins in our spiritual journey, in our faith, in our relationship with God. A lot of different people. Everyone's going to hit the wall. People have different kind of responses to the wall. You know, most people tend to, when they hit the wall, most people tend to respond by giving up. They hit the wall, life gets hard, faith gets tested, it's too much. Growth is slow, God is far, it's too much. And so they just give up. That's how many people sort of respond to the wall. It's like, this is not what I signed up for. This was not in the brochure. Like, I thought it was all going to be like sunrises and roses and puppies and unicorns, and this is hard. This faith thing is hard. And so many people, when they hit the wall, give up and just say, this is it's too much. In fact, Jesus talked about this in the parable of the sower and the seeds, that for many people, it's just too much. It's too hard. And so they give up. They walk away. And maybe, in fact, that's your story. Maybe, for some reason, by God's grace, you are back here today after a long season of walking away because it was just too much and it was just too hard and you didn't think you could take it. And so you walked away. You know what it means like, to give up on faith or maybe you know someone who has. That's how most people tend to respond to the wall that everyone faces but no one seems to talk about. Other people have another response. Some people, when they hit the wall spiritually, they don't give up. They do the opposite. They power up. They just get intense like, no, you know what you need to do? You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. How many quiet times have you had today? I've had seven. Like you just like go hard at the wall because you are not going to let a wall break you. I am more than a conqueror. I'm going to conquer this wall. And so you just get all jacked up and powered up because that's what, you ever had someone say that to you when you're in a really tough season, things are really difficult, you've hit your own wall and what they tell you you need to do is more have you prayed about that? Have you prayed about that? You ever have someone tell you that? Have I prayed about I never thought of that. <laughs> I'm so glad God brought you into my life to remind me of the thing I've been doing. <laughs> Some people try and power up. Well, you just got to break through, and I'm going to work really hard at being a better Christian. And they try and break through the wall, and what they find is that the wall will break them. Some people give up. Most people give up. Some people power up. But I think the reason God is... Uh, brought you here this morning, the truth that he has for you is he wants you to see the wall, whether you faced it, are facing it, or will face it one day, as an invitation to grow up. God allows us to hit walls in our spiritual growth so that we actually grow up in him. God wants to mature your faith, not just keep you coasting. He wants to mature your faith. He wants to deepen your relationship with him. He wants to help you love and see others more honestly and openly. And he wants you to love and see yourself more honestly and openly. God wants to grow you up and many times he will use the wall to do that. I've hit several walls in my life, my spiritual journey. The first one came, I wasn't even into my 20s yet about 19 years old. Now, I'd grown up around church, grown up in a great family, grown up in a great church, but had kind of learned along the way to sort of find safety in the structure of religion. It worked for me. Just tell me what to do, tell me what I need, and I'll do it. And I had done it. And then all that safety and structure that I'd found in religion didn't hold up when I went away to school. 
And I've talked about the story before. I was in the middle of my college campus. I remember exactly where I was in the plaza, where as a 19-year-old, I'm walking around, and I say out loud like a crazy person, I quit. I quit. I'm done. And I hit the wall because what got me here was not going to get me there. And the nice sort of life that I built for myself, which had worked on this side of the wall, was not working anymore. I was meeting too many people who were having way too much fun sinning, and I didn't have anything better to show for my life. I kept saying no, they kept saying yes, and they were having way more fun than me. And I didn't know why. And that was enough for me. God, I quit. I don't want to build a life based on religion and what seemed like a wall that I would never ever get over or around where I was dreaming about the day when I grew up but one day I would grow up and I wouldn't make my kids go to church like my parents made me go to church that's how deep the wall was for me and God lovingly broke me over that next year and after a decade or so more of being a Christian I finally met Jesus and began a relationship with him that was life was like on the other side of the wall that wall for me moving from religion to relationship. I hit another wall about a decade or so later where I had kind of life on the other side of that first wall uh, led me to um, following and trusting God as an act of obedience to doing this vocational ministry of saying yes to God and helping other people find God and have life with God. So I had begun working in a church right after that first wall and, and I had loved all that God had done in my life and how he'd grown me up through that. And I was about a decade into that and I realized that all of my doing good things for God wasn't doing anything anymore for me. So I'd done all these really good things for God in my mind. I'd helped all these people grow in their relationship with God, but I was dying inside myself. And I I hit another wall. In fact, I've talked about it before. A spiritual mentor in my life just happened to intersect my life at the time when I needed her most, and she sat across from me and said, I think you've been following the wrong God your whole life. That's a wonderful thing for someone to say to you over breakfast. (laughs) How do you follow that up? Pass the salt. Like, what? what do you, and I hit a wall, and that one lasted about two years. Because in the middle of that wall, where I began to question this comfortable sort of life that I'd built for myself, and how all this doing good for God wasn't doing anything for me anymore, right in the middle of that, Jeannie's dad died. This is a hero of mine. I love, I love this man. And so in the middle of my wall, I lose someone that I love. And so the wall, that season got extended even longer where I had to really question, okay, God, are you really good? It's almost worse for me to believe that you exist and believe that you're not good than to not believe that you exist at all. So I had a wall that God lovingly led me through. And the other side was a season of growth. And was a season where God had led us to new things and new adventures. Shortly after getting through that, we moved down to Atlanta. And within a couple years, I hit another wall where we had built for our lives such a comfortable life. See, we'd kind of gotten through those first two walls, and I thought I was done with walls for a while. And we had great jobs, we had great community, and we had a great church that we were a part of, and we thought skies were the limit. We built a great house right in town, Atlanta. We thought this was it, we are going to be here forever. God had grown our family, and we were ready for the next season. What I didn't realize is that I was building a life for myself. The foundation of the life that I was living for myself was based on comfort, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, but it's a terrible thing to build your life on, because there's never enough. And so we'd built a really comfortable life for ourselves. And God in his loving kindness said, oh, I have so much more for you than that. And it led us into a pretty tough 
season, a rough season of going, okay, God, I thought these were good. How, how is there more? And what God began to show us was he began to open up our hearts and open up our minds for something so much more and greater than comfort. It's courage. And it was on the other side of that wall that we began the process of starting this church. See, God has a way of lovingly using walls in our lives to grow us up. And any person who's serious about having a real relationship with God is going to face walls. It's true throughout the Bible. You look at different stories and characters throughout the Bible and you can see the walls that they faced. It's part of the spiritual journey. It's part of spiritual growth. You cannot have someone like Paul write the words that he wrote in Romans 8.26 where he says that the Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf when we're weak and we don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit literally says the words our heart wants to say to God. You can't write those words of saying, I don't even know what to say to you, God unless you face the wall. Peter faced his own wall. He spent the first three years of his life in a relationship with Jesus kind of on this pendulum swing of really powerful faith and then perpetual doubt and failure. And in fact, Peter hit his own little wall at the hour of Jesus' greatest need where Jesus was being falsely tried and accused and arrested and ultimately led to a cross. Peter sees all that is in front of him and he says, no, no. It's too much. And he denies that he even knows Jesus. He gives up at this critical moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. And it is Jesus himself who comes shortly thereafter, after his death and resurrection, and restores Peter and walks him through his little wall. If you know the story of Job in the Old Testament, this character who was tested again and again and again and again, hit wall after wall after wall after wall, lost just about everything in his life, and at the end of his life is hanging on to just the fibers, the very fibers of faith that he once had. And finally in Job 42, he finally confesses to God, God, I see that it is you and only you all along who can sustain me. God, I have, I have he literally says, I've heard about you, God, but now I've seen you and I know that you are actually good. Moses faced his own walls, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, wall after wall of God, what are you doing? Where are you at? Where are we going? Where is this heading? You made me a promise. Are you going to deliver? Every serious person of faith is going to face a wall. David, King David, the central character in the Old Testament, faced his own walls. His story is a, is a story of sort of great obstacles and then God's great deliverance, great failure and then God's great forgiveness. And David actually amassed in the Bible for us a collection of songs and prayers and poems which are this beautiful sort of uh, window into the soul and into even what it's like when we hit walls. And I want us to explore uh, one of those today to kind of give us a clue and an insight into what only we can do when we hit the wall and what God will always do when we hit the wall. So if you would please grab a Bible and open to Psalm 40. It's one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 40. In the blue Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab a blue Bible right in front of you in your seat back. It's on page 390 in the blue Bible. You know what I love when I grabbed this Bible this morning to teach from? Uh, there's already circles and underlines in different passages here in the book of Psalms. And this is what I love. This is why we ask you to grab a pen. Uh, if you're serious about uh, having a relationship with God and exploring who he is and you don't own a Bible, the Bible you're now holding in your hand is yours. We want you to steal a Bible from church. It's one of the best things you do today. And what I love is people from our church have already gone ahead of you and circled and underlined things to give you a head start. 
So that's what's pretty awesome. You can actually steal a Bible from church today. We're going to look at one passage that gives us a clue into the wall and what it's really like. Psalm 40. Now David had faced some great obstacles, and we don't know specifically which one this is coming out of, but we know that there were many in his life. And what we love about the Psalms is they're so honest. And the reason that we can see that God loves David so much is because David cries so much, and he pours his heart out to God so much. And this is one of those moments where he's just being honest before God. Psalm 40 says this in verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now let's just hit pause. There's a lot in that one phrase. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. So what we see here is there's a story before this prayer. There's always a story before every one of your prayers. There's a story that precedes this prayer. There's something that happened. David had hit a wall. David was stuck. As we're going to see here, he gives us a great metaphor for how he was stuck. So there's something that is happening before this prayer. But look what he says. I waited patiently for who? The Lord, for God. This is very important for us to pay attention to. Because so often when it's me, when I hit my own wall, do you know what I'm waiting for? Others to fix it for me. Circumstances to change. God to just sort of make it better. But what David says is, no, I waited patiently for you, God. I waited I didn't give up. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my what? Cry. He turned to me and heard my cry, my pouring out of my heart. We see here that David is stuck. He is stuck for some time because he waited patiently for the Lord. And so often when we're stuck in these moments, we want everything else and everyone else to change it for us. But there's a gift to the wall that God gives to us because it reminds us that we, it's, we so often want God to work on uh, our schedule according to our agenda. And what the wall reminds us is whose world we actually live in and whose job it actually is to be God. You and I are way too underqualified to be God. And David says, I waited patiently for you, God. Not for my own will to be done, not for my own agenda, not for my timing. I waited for you and I cried out to you and you heard me. Verse 2, look at what God does. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. Just hit pause right there for a second. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. David using very specific language here. He's painting a mental picture, albeit a gross mental picture for you. Because it's one thing to fall into a pit and to be stuck down there and like, oh, this is you know, totally going to ruin my schedule for the day. I'm stuck in a pit. It's another thing to be stuck in a slimy, muddy, mucky pit. And David wants you to understand that this is more than just sort of being stuck and having to sort of wait for someone to bail you out. You're literally stuck at the bottom. You ever had, uh, you ever had to walk across or try and run across a muddy field in the middle of a storm? Like it's raining out and you have to walk across the mud and it's just so like just sick and sticky and like you ever uh, step in and step out of your shoe? And that, that next step is a lot of fun after that. <laughs> You know that feeling? And then, and then you get through it and you're just, you, you walk like Frankenstein, like your shoes are so heavy and weighed down by the mud. David's like, yeah, it's like that. It's like that when we hit the wall. I'm not only in a pit, I'm in muck and mire and it's gross and it's overwhelming and it's dark. And as much as I try and power up, the more stuck I get. David says, that's, that's where I'm at when I hit the wall. That's where he was in the middle of this 
prayer from this season of his life. I was in a slimy pit in mud and mire. And then he says, this is what God did. God picked me up, literally scooped his hand down into the mud. God got his hands dirty. And he scooped me up. And he put my feet on a rock. And he gave me, very important here, a firm place to stand. David says, where I was standing before was this muddy, mucky pit. And God literally scooped me up and gave me a firm place to stand. This is what God does. He lifts us up out of our darkest moments, out of the walls that we hit, the pits that we find ourselves in, and he gives us a firm foundation, a new foundation to actually build our life on. See, your old foundation that you built your life on, whatever it was about, maybe it was the faith that you had as a kid, maybe it was based on comfort, maybe it was based on circumstances, maybe it was based on a relationship, maybe it was based on a career trajectory, that foundation is not strong enough to hold the life that God has for you. And so what he sometimes lovingly does is allows that foundation to fall apart so he can lift you up and put you on a firm foundation built on him, a new foundation. And this is what's so beautiful, how good God is. He not only gives you a new foundation, he gives you a new song to sing. Psalm 40, verse three, David says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see, he says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. This is what God does. He not only scoops us out of our our deepest pits, our darkest hours, our most desperate places, he not only puts us on a firm foundation, a new foundation to build our life with him on, but he gives you a new song to sing. David goes from crying to singing, from despair to to worship from the pit to the rock. This is who God is and this is what he does through the wall. This is what God does again and again and again in his time, in his way, according to his agenda for your growth. I think so many folks who are sincere in their faith hit a wall, a season like we talked about where Life gets hard, faith gets tested, growth is slow, God is far. They hit that wall and they think what they're supposed to do is break through the wall. I've got to break through this wall. When the truth is the reason God has the wall there is to break you down. To break those hard places in your heart, to break the foundations that maybe you've built your life on. The point of the wall is not to be broken down but to break you down and give you a new place to stand The wall is where transformation is most often felt and most often seen by others. Isn't that interesting? In Psalm 40, verse 3, David says that many will see and fear, which means to honor, which means to to, to recognize God. Many will see and fear and know God and put their trust in him because they've seen my life be transformed by him. They've seen me move from this side of the wall to this side of the wall. God has brought me from this season to this season. And by looking at my life, by me not trying to give up or power up, but by God growing me up, they look and see and say, something is different about this person. Have you ever sat across from someone who's gone through a difficult season in life, but has yet to give up, has showed up with God and put their faith in him, and you sit across from them, and have you found yourself thinking, or maybe you said, you're not the same person anymore. You ever seen someone go through a really difficult season with God 
and come out on the other side. God, bring them through the other side. And you're looking at them going, you are not the same person anymore. That's what David means here. Many will see and fear and know God because of him taking me through whatever this wall may be. So many well-intentioned Christians try as hard as they can to avoid the wall as much as possible. Whatever I have to do to not do that, I'll do it. I'll do it. But the reality is, is that is the wall is where transformation is most tangible and is most seen by others. There really is life kind of before the wall and life after the wall. I can tell you that from my story. I could walk you through my life before the wall and then my life after each of the walls that God has lovingly led me up to. My life before the wall, maybe this is true of yours, is that my assumption about spiritual growth on this side of the wall, my assumption about spiritual growth is that it's all up and to the right. And faith before the wall is like, oh yeah, it's all just sort of up and to the right. It's, it's all like springtime and summer, right, with God. It's like, yes, like I, I became a Christian and it was, it was, God radically changed my life and then I got baptized. People actually cheered for me to become a Christian. It was a powerful moment. Then I got into a group and then I started serving and it's, the assumption is it's always springtime and summertime and it's always green lights with God up and to the right. That's what life on this side of the wall looks like. But for those who've gone through their walls, faith after the wall says, yeah, there are those seasons, but life is more like a slinky than it is up and to the right. There's up, and then there's down, and then there's up, and then there's down. And this is just kind of some of the rhythm of life in a world broken by sin, but redeemed by God. And the funny thing about a slinky is it's not just a circle. You're, you're moving forward but it's not always up and to the right. This is what a grown-up faith looks like. This is what faith looks like on the other side of the wall. People on this side of the wall, before the wall, their faith and their relationship with Jesus, the assumption is that it's always winning, that we should always be winning. That's what this whole life and faith and thing is about. Is we're supposed to be winning. We're more than conquerors, and so we're always going to win, and God's always going to, I'm going to win because I'm with God, and I'm on his side, and so we're always going to win. Kind of. Jesus is victorious. He's the one who defeated sin. We get to share in his victory. That's what life with Jesus is like. It's not always about you winning. It's that God has already won. We get to share in that. But that doesn't mean your life is always going to be winning. The wall reminds you of that. People on this side of the wall says, yeah, sometimes. But life with Jesus is also about waiting and there are just some things and some seasons and some times in life where it doesn't go according to my agenda and I don't get that job or that relationship ends or I end up moving to a town where I don't know anyone. Sometimes I have to do what David says again and again and again throughout the Psalms. I have to wait upon the Lord. I have to wait upon the Lord. Life and faith on this side of the wall, before the wall, tries as hard as possible to avoid pain and complexity as much as they can. <laughs> Just keep me away from that. Listen, I can tell you that because I've spent the majority of my life working really hard to avoid really hard things. That's what life and faith on this side of the wall looks like. Life on this side of the wall, faith on this side of the wall, sees pain and difficulty and complexity as invitations for growth and embracing mystery. 
life on this side of the wall says there's way more about God that I do not know than I do know. And so I'm okay with that, that God moves in his ways according to his plan and his time. Life on this side of the wall finds comfort in structure. Finds comfort in structure. Just sort of tell me what to do. Tell me what to read. Tell me what to pray. Tell me when to go to church and I'll do it. And that makes sense in the beginning. When you're growing in the very beginning, it makes sense. You need those sort of guidelines and guardrails to say, okay, this is sort of what you do. But what ends up happening over time is we can make an idol even out of those things. And we think that those things are the things that have life in them. And life on this side of the wall says, Comfort and structure is fine and good, but what I want actually is freedom in God. And on this side of the wall, I find freedom in God so that these things don't become have-tos, they become want-tos. I want to do these things because I know they lead me to further freedom in Christ. There's a big difference between life before the wall and life after the wall. None of us gets a choice in whether or not you're going to face a wall in your life. No one gets a choice in that one. The choice you and I do get is how you'll respond. How will you respond? How do you respond when you hit the wall spiritually? When when life gets real, faith is tested, when growth is slow and God seems far, how will you respond when that happens, when prayers seem pointless, when it feels like you're in a pit, in mud and muck and mire, how will you respond? Will you give up? Will you try and power up? Or will you let God grow you up by simply doing this one principle, this one practice, that when you find yourself in the the wall and it's hard and you feel the temptation to either give up or you tried already to power up, what would it look like for you to keep showing up with God every day. To say, even though this is incredibly difficult, more than I bargained for, this is way harder than I thought, I'm going to keep showing up with you, God, even if I stand and stare at the wall every day. I'm going to show up. Woody Allen is famously quoted as saying that 80% of life is just showing up. And I think that's not only true for life, I think it's true of faith. 100% of it is showing up and saying, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here. And a big part of growing up, as we're talking honestly, practically about spiritual things over this series, a big part of growing up is you showing up. Is you showing up and saying, okay, God, okay, I'm here. What do you want to do? What's it going to mean? God, however long, like David, I'll wait patiently for you, God. I'm going to keep calling out. I'm going to keep crying out. But I will show up. I will not give up. I will not try and power up and do it all in my own strength, God. I'm clearly at a wall. It's not working like it used to. But I'm not going to quit on you, God. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. Years ago, um, Jeannie, uh, when we were living in Atlanta, had heard about, found out about a, um, a workout, a, like it's called boot camp, a, a boot camp workout where you pay money um, to get up at 5.30 in the morning to have someone yell at you for an hour. And for some reason, this made, this made sense to her. 
And so she, for a couple months, did this boot camp when we lived in Atlanta. She'd go and meet all these people, strangers, in a park in the dark and paid money to have someone yell at her and make her do really hard things. Now, I, you know, I wanted her to know that I su- supported her in that, so I'd f- pray for her <laughs> from bed. As, you know, the whole time, I'd just pray for her. Deep, deep prayer. I'd pray for her while she was there. And she loved it. And I, it, it was hard. It changed and transformed her life. I watched it happen. And she would show up every day knowing that it was going to be a really hard thing, hardest thing she did that day. She would show up, she would show up, she'd show up. And I watched as her life was changing because of it. And like all great and significant things in my life, it took my wife signing me up for me to do it. <laughs> it's just true. She signed me up. She's like, Jared, this has really changed my life. And I think it can change yours. In other words, you need this. <laughs> and so she signed me up. And I knew what it was going to cost because I watched the sacrifice that she made to show up every day at boot camp. And so I knew this. I've t- maybe told the story before, but I, I knew that my whole diet and life was going to change over the course of the month of this boot camp. So I decided the night before to get in everything I wasn't going to get <laughs> for the next month. Now, it made a lot of sense in the moment. Let me just say a word of wisdom to you if you hear nothing else from the sermon. If you ever do a, bo- a boot camp... Don't do what I'm about to tell you. I went to Chick-fil-A and ate as much Jesus chicken as I could. I had chicken, fries, shake. I mean, I did as much because I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat that stuff for the next month. I had to record everything I ate in this little journal. And so I got it all in. This was a terrible idea, by the way. Really fun at 6 o'clock on a you know, Sunday night. Terrible at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning. And so for the first day, I went there to do sort of my assessments, the very first day of boot camp. And I show up there, and again, all these strangers are down on the field, and people are just yelling at them, and the whole time you have to keep moving, like you have to keep doing exercises. And so um, we're doing jumping jacks while someone's just like talking to us, and I'm not, I can't even hear them, because all I hear is the, the Chick-fil-A inside of me. And, <laughs> and so, this, so this is all happening, and, and so we're doing all these exercises, and they kept telling us, hey, we're going to do your mile test, we're going to do your mile test coming up in a little bit. And I'm like, oh man, we have to run a mile after all of this and we're already moving enough. And I remember from where we were at in the park to where we were going to run the mile, it was about a quarter mile and they made us run to the starting line of the mile. And the whole time, no joke, I'm saying out loud, this should count, this should count, this should count. Who's clocking this? Like I was so, I'm not, it's, I'm not exaggerating. It was a terrible moment for me. And so we run to the starting line, and you have to keep moving the whole time, and then you have to run the mile. And this is a true story. I, that was one of the worst times, not only for me, but for humankind, for a mile, <laughs> ever. And I get to the end of the mile, I finally like stumble across the finish line, and I just lost everything that I'd, I'd put in. I, I rented that Chick-fil-A food. It, I, had to, I returned it all. And I was so done. I was so done. And so what I did, I was just done. And so I just, I grabbed my stuff and I went straight to my car. And what I didn't notice is we still had another 15 minutes of boot camp. And everyone else, because they'd finished so far ahead of me, was already down doing the rest of the exercises. And I didn't even care. I got in my car and no kidding, an instructor saw me and ran up to me (laughs) in the car. I've already shut the door like a horror movie. He's banging on the window. And I'm like, I know, I'm going home. I'm going home. going home and I I literally drove out of there. I just left the place not realizing I'd have to come back the next morning do it all over again. It's a terrible start 
to something I really, really needed in my life. And what I had to do over the next two months was show up every day, knowing how hard it was the first day, knowing how much harder it was going to be the next day. But I knew I needed to show up. I had to do whatever I had to do to show up. And I wonder how many of us have hit a wall in our faith, in our relationship, our life with God. And maybe everything in you, you've tried the power-up method and it only left you more exhausted as you've moved around in the mud and the muck and the mire. And maybe you've wanted to throw in the towel and give up. I want to strongly encourage you as your pastor and friend and someone who's on this journey with you to encourage you to do whatever you have to do today to show up. As hard as it may seem, as much as it wasn't like you thought it was going to be, will you show up today? So we say it all the time around here that there are things that only God can do in our spiritual growth and transformation, but then there's things that only you can do. And the thing that you can do when you hit a wall is show up. Keep showing up. Showing up simply looks like this, God, I'm here again today. I'm not walking away. I don't understand what this means. I don't understand what you're doing. And maybe it means for you praying that honestly and vulnerably and directly with God. I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know where you're at or what you're up to. I could read you the journal entries and prayers that I wrote during that season of my first and second wall. God, I don't even know who you are anymore, but I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I'm going to show up. Maybe the prayer, the only prayer that you can utter in this season, like Paul talked about, where you don't even have the words to say, so the only prayer you can pray is, God, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And so do whatever you need to do, God. I'm here. Like David, I'm going to wait patiently for you, and I'm going to keep calling out, and I'm going to keep calling out. I'm not going to wait for circumstances. I'm not going to wait for other people. I'm not going to wait for the first sign of comfort. I'm going to wait patiently for you. I'm going to show up today, God. And I spend one more day, take one more step with you, and then I'm going to do as best I can to get up tomorrow morning and show up again. God, I'm here. I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm here. I'm showing up. Will you choose to do what only you can do, to show up with your fear and frustration has finally set in from all you're trying to power up, has, all that has failed you? Will you continue to show up in that moment? Will you show up when your prayers go seemingly unanswered by God and it's like you're down in a pit calling out and you're hearing nothing back in return and you wonder when God will turn and hear your cry. Will you show up one more day? Will you show up when God's timing is a lot slower and a lot longer than yours? Will you show up one more day, one more week, one more season in your life. God, I am here. I'm here. What do you want to do? What do I need to see, God? What's the foundation that you're breaking beneath me so that you can build a new one for me with you? I am going to show up. That's the thing that only you and I can do when we hit the wall. And here's what God not only can only do, but will always do. He will lift you up. He will carry you through. He will, in his way, in his timing. Peter Scazzaro is the author of a book that's foundational for this series and for our church. The book is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says this about the wall. I think it's brilliant. 
He says this about what only God can do and what only we can do. He says, ultimately, God is the one who moves us through the wall. All of us are going to face it. All of us will have the choice of how we respond, but God will always be the only one who can move us through the wall. How and when God takes us through, that's up to him. But we make choices to trust God, to wait on God, to obey God, to stick with God, to remain faithful, to show up when everything in us wants to quit and run. But it is his slow, deep work of transformation in us And it's not ours. It's his work in us that he will only and always do in your life when you show up. And so this morning, what we have is an opportunity to show up, to come to God, to say, I'm here. And maybe you're facing a wall right now. As I've been talking about it, you've been like, yep, yeah, I get it. That's me. I I am in that place. And maybe you've been there for a while. We want to give you an opportunity to show up this morning and to come to the communion table. It's an active way for you to say, okay, God, I'm not only going to show up, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to take a step forward and I'm going to come to you because I believe in you is the only place that I'm going to find the life that you actually have for me. And so maybe for you, showing up today means having the courage to get up and come to the table, to take a piece of bread, to tear it off, to dip it in the cup and say, God, it is your body and your blood. It's because of the fact that you, Jesus, showed up for me and you showed up at the cross that I even have the strength and courage to get up and show up one more time with you. If you're at a wall this morning, would you come forward? Would you show up and take a step forward and come to the communion table? And maybe, just maybe, you hit a wall a while ago in your life and it was too much. Circumstances or life changes or whatever it is that brought the wall about. What God intended for your growth, you just said, no, I can't, it's too much. And maybe you walked away, you gave up. And for some reason, by God's grace, you made it back here today. And I think that's no accident. And I want to strongly encourage you that showing up today means coming home. It means coming back. It means saying, okay, God, by your strength and power this time, your will, not just mine, your will be done in my life, God. And I want to strongly encourage you to come to the table, come back to the table, acknowledge that it is through Jesus that you actually can have life hope, the fullness that God has for you is only through and in him. So we're going to come to the table today. Jesus, knowing every one of his followers and friends gathered them together at the greatest wall that they would ever face, his death, crucifixion. And he said, look, I don't want you to ever forget the significance of this moment, of what it means for me to show up. And he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. I came to be with you. I showed up here in this earth to be with you. And he took wine and he poured it out. He said, this is like my blood. It's the only perfect and pure blood to ever flow through human veins. And I offer it freely to cover the weight and the totality of your depravity, to cover every sin in your life. I pour it out freely for everyone, for every sin, for all of time. This is available to you through me. And the invitation he gave to his first followers is the same that he gives to you today. Will you show up to the table and acknowledge that it's only through and by Jesus that we can actually have this life that God has promised us? So I'm going to pray.
And when I'm done praying, we're going to respond in, in worship, and we're going to respond by coming to the table. And I encourage you, as soon as I say amen, to find your way either here to the front or we have stations in the back as well. We have gluten-free bread over here to your left if you need that. We don't want anyone to be excluded from this moment. But when I say amen, if you're ready to show up one more day today, will you come back? Will you come up to the table and receive what God actually has for you through his son, Jesus? Let me pray for us together right now. Jesus, thank you for the truth of who you are and what you've done and what you are doing and what you will do. You showed up. You showed up for God's glory and you showed up to change our story. You showed up and you bore the weight of the cross, the weight of my sin, our sin on you. And the Bible tells us that you considered it actually, it was your joy to do so. You humbled yourself to the lowest position, taking on the weight of our death and sin for us. You showed up so that we could even have the power and courage to show up today, to come to the table. So Jesus, we want to acknowledge that wherever we're at, whether we're at a wall or walked away from the wall or wherever we may be at, we can always find what we need for today in you. It's always in you. You have life for us that is beyond us and better than anything we could ever come up with on our own. And so Jesus, we come to you as we are and ask you to make us who you created us to be. We do that in this moment of communion right now, we pray. In your name, amen.